We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now. They will return your call after the show. 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. As well, don't forget, take a peek at the website, Andy and Don, all one word, andyanddon.com. You can see old shows there, listen to old shows, as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Good morning, Scott. Morning, Scott. Uh, it's a snowy winter. Here we are. Boy, is it ever. How things have changed. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's the time of the year we're looking back at 2017. It is. And uh, every year, our uh, investment advisory team at Investors Group puts together some insights, and they usually update us every quarter. And in the last quarter, I just wanted to share some of the, the overview and insights that they were looking at in terms of 2017. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sort of sets the stage for 2018 as well. And Investors Group, management. We now have investment offices, uh, of course, Winnipeg, which is where our head office is, mm-hmm. Toronto, the sort of financial hub of Canada. We have them in uh, Dublin and Ireland mm. for our European connections. And uh, I guess they'll still, even after Brexit, that'll still be yeah. part of the Eurozone. So yeah, that's good, good to know now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they finally settled that. And, uh, and in Hong Kong for our Asian connection, uh, we have offices there as well. And uh, it's, you know, it's also true, and I was just, there was a great article about um, Power Corporation in the Globe and Mail a couple of weeks ago. And um, today, Power Corporation, through its subsidiaries around the world, and it, it's, it's majority of which are financial assets, are now managing over $1.5 trillion mm. of investment money. It's a fair bit. Yeah, it is. It is a fair <laughs> yeah. bit. And, uh, and actually, one of the most, inter- one of the most uh, interesting or growing areas is called uh, China Capital, which is um, basically trying to create recreate investors group mm-hmm. in China. And wow. if you think about the middle class, yeah, mm-hmm. the middle class and the amount of people that are accumulating wealth in China mm-hmm. and are now needing financial planning advice, yeah. you know, what to do with your money, what what risks do I how do I manage risk, etc. So That would all be new. I'm yeah, that, that. but you know what's What's fascinating to me about that again too is that the uh, the Demeray family, which owns Power uh, Corporation, which owns Power Financial, owns Investors Group, uh, they've been they've been visiting China for fifty years, mm. for five decades. Uh, Paul Demeray Senior has been involved in China, and um, and involved in in uh, um, actually was electricity was the original yeah. uh, goal at the time in terms of infrastructure for building out their uh, electrical structure and infrastructure and. Um, they're well respected. I think the Demarays are the one of the we're the one of the only families that get uh, a they close the roads from the airport to their hotel oh my, and yeah. they get uh, <laughs> yes for sure they get a police uh, escort police escort all the way. Only Donald Trump gets that. Ah. <laughs> and the Demarays in China. <laughs> So we uh, we have a lot of uh, financial history in the company and a lot of expertise in the company, and so it's valuable to us just to uh, they, as they share that data with us, and we use that when we're having discussions with clients about mm-hmm. what is the outlook, what uh, what perspective are they taking in terms of investment decisions, etc. So overall, and uh, from an, from the economy perspective, the global economies are experiencing synchronized growth. So I'm just going to hit a couple of themes here. So uh, 
that's important because so many times you would look at globally, you'll see parts of the of the globe that aren't doing well mm-hmm. or are in a recession, et cetera, uh, whereas other parts might be booming uh, along. Mm-hmm. And so we're in this synchronized growth pattern right now, which is quite unique, but it's also extremely positive. So mm-hmm. we're seeing that right around the world today. And, uh, and so that's important, I think, for the future, for stability and future growth as well. Uh, the second... Um, Main theory, uh, the theme is inflation remains subdued globally. Mm-hmm. Um, inflation often driven by wage pressures, uh, often driven, uh, driven by uh, energy prices uh, right around the world, subdued globally. And, uh, and most economists feel that there won't be a shock coming to the system from inflation right. any point soon. Right. Uh, the next theme, the, the Canadian economy is showing positive growth into uh, the fourth quarter. Its real GDP, the gross domestic product, was 4.5%, and it was a, that's at a six-year high after 3.7% in mm-hmm. the first quarter of the year. So we've definitely grown over the course of the year, the Canadian economy. The U.S. economic data continues to improve, so we're seeing uh, ongoing interesting economic results out of the U.S. as well. Their GDP is rising. Mm-hmm. Um, the next theme is central bankers and at various stages are removing stimulus by raising rates. So what we mean by that is that interest rates both here in Canada, we've had uh, we've had two inc- interest rate increases. Uh, in the U.S. Uh, just this week again was looking at an interest rate increase. Right. And wow. um, so, uh, but... Europe is the only place where interest rates aren't going up as quickly. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, the U.S. dollar has been rising and the Canadian dollar has been rising against the European, the euro. And uh, and there so there are certain opportunities unfolding because of that, like difference. traveling to Europe, exactly like traveling <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the fun side, yeah. <laughs> and also on the investment side as yeah. well. And um, and we always think about we get to ask the question, what about recession? Is mm-hmm. there a risk of a recession? You know, things seem to be going aren't we so well. Due? Yeah, that's exactly right. It sort of feels like we're due, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, although we haven't recovered recovered from the last one, it, it seems uh, as far as the calendar says, we're due. Yeah, we're ex- I know, and yeah. so in. In, from an, a global perspective, our, our investment management teams around the world, they're feeling that there's really no vision or they do not envision any kind of global recession at this yeah. stage. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll come back a year from now. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Should, I should pull out the same list of, uh, of, of thoughts. Yeah, sure. and, mm-hmm. <laughs> points but there's no impetus. See how close time. we are. Mm-hmm. But there's no real impetus or, you know. Catastrophe of some sort that would trigger recession right now. No, that's true. Things look actually fairly good, not not too bubbly, Mm -hmm. uh, but cautiously. You know, you got to be still cautious. Yeah, I'm going to share some of the uh, some of the maybe concerns as we go a little bit later in terms of what might or what could happen. Uh, In terms of the markets, the stock markets, the um, the the Toronto stock market went from the best market in 2016 to the worst market in 2017. Mm, and that, well that, done. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a pretty flat market overall. Um, oil has sort of stuck around the 50 to $55 a barrel, and that's been a drag on the resource sector on the index. So that's been a key key issue as to why the Canadian stock market has not, not done well this year, mm-hmm. is oil has been stubbornly low, yeah. and, uh, and as a result, demand is low as well, but also that results in... P- Poor profits, mm-hmm. potential profits for the energy sector. I as did well. fill up my car the other day, and it didn't seem that oil was stayed yeah, the same. I don't know about still that. Still up at the station. That's a whole nother show. Oh, okay, <laughs> yes, yeah. literally. 
Um, in the United States, the S&P 500, the Standard Poor's 500, has had uh, 54 closing new highs, 54 new wow. highs mm. this year. <laughs> so it's just been a march yeah. up a ladder along yeah. the way here. Uh, the sentiment has turned bullish overall. So we're on a, 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 a positive front from that sense. And finally, the absence of volatility and a meaningful drawdown is a mounting concern. What does that mean? Well, there's a, a, a measurement called the VIX, the Volatility Index. And the VIX measures how much the stock market fluctuates in any given time period up or down. And so we've seen an unprecedented low amount of volatility in the stock market, and that's abnormal. Right. So I'm going to flip over to that and, and, and look at what sort of the history of that means. And so we talk about this, uh, an absence of meaningful drawdowns. So a meaningful drawdown means that the stock market has, and there's two measurements, has fallen by 5% mm-hmm. or fallen by 20%. And so the VIX measures the frequency of how often that would happen, right. where it's fallen by that much as well. So going back in, I'm looking at a chart here, but going back since 1930, and these are um, the longest rallies without a 10% plus correction. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're actually in, since 1930, this is the 11th strongest rally that we've seen in the stock market without a 10% correction. And uh, we've gone over uh, 20 months now uh, without having, sorry, 23 months without having a significant correction of 10% or more. And typically, when you look back historically, that happens at least once a year. Mm -hmm. So the last time we had a 10% correction was on February 11th, 2016. So as of February, this coming up next year in 2018 will have been two years that we have not had a 10% plus correction in the stock market. So uh, history again tells us that somewhere along the way, that's going to come along and it should happen. Um, But what's typically been happening is... The sentiment, as I said, turning to bullish has meant that people are in, are on board. They're taking their cash that has been sitting on the sidelines. Right. They're jumping into so the stock market. They're jumping into the stock yeah. market right now. And, um, and so every time there is a little bit of a dip, like a 1% or a 2% dip, that has signaled a successful strategy to buy. So mm-hmm. buy on those dips, buy on the right. dip, and that has been paying off. Um, now, the other side, which is a 5% pullback, so this is a little less volatile, it, that happens on average since 1930, three times a year. Well, we are now in the sixth longest rally since 1930 that has not seen a 5% correction or more. Mm-hmm. And that started uh, June 27th, 1960, uh, <laughs> June 27th, 2016, right. was the last time that we had a 5% correction. So since then, so we're, we're sitting at 440, uh, 400 and uh, almost 500 days that we have not had a 5% correction in the market. And again, that's the sixth longest in history. The longest was in 1957 to 1959 at 600 days. So we're right up there now mm-hmm. getting into the, the, the top in terms and, of low volatility. And you think about there's so many people that like to time the market. I'm just going to wait for that, you know, that decline in the market and then I'll buy low. Well, no, you've, you've been waiting for 500 days now. Yeah. So that huh. opportunity cost, so like um, close, get, closing in on what, about a year and a half? 
um, the opportunity cost of waiting, sitting, having that money sit on the sidelines, trying to time the market, is puts you in you know a, a real tough position because yeah. you're watching your money basically earn zero if it is if you are trying to time the market, saying well it's got to go down, it's got to go down. Meanwhile, 500 days later, <laughs> it hasn't it gone hasn't down. Gone uh, 30 years ago, and, and many, many of us have forgotten this, but 30 years ago in October 1987, we saw Black Monday, the stock market, and I'm looking at the New York Times headline, stocks plunge 508 points, a drop of 22.6%, and 604 million volume on the nearly doubles the record, and that was 30 years ago. So um, what's in summary, what are we looking at for uh, 2017 going into 2018? Globally, central bank bankers are beginning to remove stimulus by rising, raising interest rates. Volatility is likely to increase as there has not been a meaningful correction for some time. At this stage, we do not see an economic recession. We see a resumption of earnings growth as a positive catalyst for the equity markets. The sentiment has turned bullish, which for us means it's kind of bearish. Yeah. Uh, equity market valuations look fair, but remain cheap when compared to bonds. The Trump economic agenda looks increasingly at risk. Risks of a policy error have increased at the margin with rates rising and an absence of meaningful inflation. And finally, heightened geopolitical tensions also present risks. Mm. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. They will return your call after the show, 905-529-7165. And also take a peek at the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right. Uh, the Bitcoin phenomenon. Are we in? Are we out? How does this work? <laughs> if I'd only just bought one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I had a client uh, son. He's, they're actually, he's not even a client, but the client's son uh, bought 10 of these Yeah. about a year ago. Oh. It says, you know, if this ever makes money, now at the time they're under $1,000 a piece. Yeah. Not a big deal. It said, I want to buy a small boat. That's what he's hoping yeah. that if it did go up. Mm. And he's not uh, investor really per se he just took a chance really it was yeah. just a pure whim um, being kind of a techie himself and uh, so those 10 now he did sell four off as uh, they made fairly good money on it yeah. and so well I got some money and then some back so I've covered all my expenses right. I got six left well I'm thinking he's looking at a big boat now yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay because exactly. right now um, they're 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 around the eighteen thousand mark mm-hmm. um, on a U.S. basis. Yeah, over, over twenty two thousand. Yeah, Canadian. Twenty two thousand Canadian. So yes, it's uh, if it wasn't weed stock yeah. not long ago. Between the two of them, you're set. Absolutely, let's <laughs> right. go. Bitcoin and weed, we're in. <coughs> who needs these other investments? Exactly. You know, you who don't need, need the. Who needs the oil companies and big banks? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, weed and, and cri- cryptocurrencies. That's where you got to put all your money. Yeah. And certainly. There's been more bubbles over the history of mankind over the years. Uh, kind of the immortal words of Yoga Berra. It's deja vu all over again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, not long ago, you know, go back to April of this year, where uh, real estate had a 33% increase yeah. in the Hamilton tr- general GTA area, yeah. Hamilton included. And all of a sudden, that's really, I looked at the stats last week, and there's been a just a puny increase yeah. over the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. So it would have been a lot larger, but there's basically been a fairly large decrease. So had you bought back in, say, April, May, 
you probably are down between 10 and 20 yeah. some odd percent right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, depending yeah. on where you bought and what type of property you bought. But that just shows dopamine drives human behavior. Yeah. We're getting mm-hmm. this shot. We, we yeah. want to go and hit the big one. Mm-hmm. We want to we mm-hmm. say nothing better than I, I really, I, I got it. I bought a thousand and I made $10,000 on this. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's in, it's embedded in human nature sure. to take those risks. And this is going back way back. You go to the 1600s mm-hmm. and there was what was called tulip mania mm-hmm. in the Netherlands. Now, basically a single, a single tulip bulb was selling for 10 times the average wage of a skilled craftsman Why? at that time. It was a bubble. <laughs> People love their tulips out in, uh, it, in Holland, right? Netherlands. Yeah. And, but that just shows it, it was a commodity. And I guess there's some scarcity in tulip bulbs mm-hmm. at that time. And they're going crazy for these things. Yeah. And it really does find this is the tulip bulb era. Go back 400 years further. Right. And Bitcoin seems to be that tulip bulb of the Netherlands. And dot-com bubble. You know, we were here not, it feels like yesterday, actually, mm-hmm. and Andy mm-hmm. and I are in that business. It's, you know, the er- late 1990s, early 2000s, where virtually companies with zero earnings, zero potential for earnings, mm-hmm. were on the NASDAQ, yeah. all this internet craze, I think, you know, was going to go Doubling crazy. or tripling in the oh. course of weeks or mm-hmm. months. <clears throat> and actually, at the time, the safe investments, like banks, like you just mentioned, Scott, bank stocks were actually going down. Yeah. Because why would I want to earn 10% a year mm-hmm. when I can earn 10% a month? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that was kind of the, the thinking. And in fact, one example, there was this one company called Garden.com, an online garden pr- um, product retailer that went public in September 1999. And it saw its share price go from 12 bucks US when it first launched it to 20 bucks within days. Mm-hmm. It never even made any money, okay? And by November 2000, it, it closed its company down at nine cents a share. Wow. Oh, whoops. Okay. <laughs> so, so from September to November, so we're talking a, a, a 14 month span. That's the kind of volatility this, this one dot com. And there's many. We can go yeah. example after example. And so what we're looking at now is, is, is this another bubble in the making? A digital currency was created in 2009 by some unknown individual using a, a fake name. Okay, I can't even pronounce it. It's a, kind of a, a Japanese name, a Satoshi Nakamoto. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I did okay on that one. <laughs> and uh, among the advantages claimed for Bitcoin, it's digital. So no physical transfer of currencies needed. Yeah. Uh, decentralized. So Bitcoins are not issued by any central bank, bank. Yeah and thus insulated from the macroeconomic risks that affect normal currencies. And perhaps the most compelling part of a Bitcoin story, its verification is handled by a blockchain technology. It's this kind of this which special appar- box. Which apparently now financial and traditional financial institutions are looking into. Absolutely. Like, they're trying to learn something from all of this. You're absolutely right. And it's a complex mathematical protocol that ensures the safety, the um, legitimacy, and transparency of the exchange. Bitcoin prices have surged from less than $1,000 at the beginning of the year uh, in US dollars to over 18,000 currently. And that's in US dollars. So again, over 22,000 now. Uh, You know, 1,800% return. Um, To put that in perspective, at the height of the dot-com bubble, the the tech-heavy NASDAQ had a trailing price earnings ratio of 175, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, banks, are trading at about 13 times earnings right mm-hmm. now. Okay, Canadian banks. The Nasdaq was trading at 175 at the height of the Nas at the wow. at the bubble. Mm. Right now, this cryptocurrency is trading at a PE ratio of about 800. Mm. Okay, 
almost uh, four times the peak. Yeah. So it's not, you know, just putting in perspective, it's, it, there's no real value in it. It's, and there's, right now it's just on the basis of a scarcity effect. Yeah. They've got 21 who, million of these things. And who things. decides whether there's more added to the system? Well, that's a very good point. And once then, that it's there is a demand, fi- right? there is a finite number of coins yeah. that are, and I believe it's I'm going to guess twenty three million, twenty one co- million, twenty one million. Yeah, right. and uh, the coins get created based on the volume of usage of coins. Right, and that goes back to the block. Yeah, yeah. And so they apparently some mathematical yeah. reason yeah. for this 21, 000, 21 million <laughs> mm-hmm. coins. But all it takes is when when does the Swiss National Bank or the U.S. Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada decide decide you know what we want a piece of this action, we're gonna we're gonna create our own digital currency, mm-hmm. and as soon as that happens we've they've increased the supply, and of course when there's more supply the price will go down, mm-hmm. and this is pure betting. Yeah. But right now everybody's got FOMO. Yeah. Fear of missing out. Yeah. Okay. So just, what are you saying? It's time to get in right now? Jump in now at 18 grand. <laughs> yeah. oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, it went 18 times your money this year. Well, now it's already done that. Yeah. What are, let, Where's it going to go now? Let's say it did double. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's only double. It's yeah. not 18 times anymore. Yeah. You know, it can't go to, they can't go to the moon, right? So, you know, there was a person here, uh, it was a Nobel Prize winner, Robert Schiller. He actually called the dot-com bubble. And he is now calling the exact same. This now the dot com bubble is now the Bitcoin, mm. and he is the founder of Vanguard Investments. Mm. And he says, avoid the Bitcoins like a plague right now. Yeah. Okay. And this is current. And uh, he says it's absolute bubble. The philosophers who said those who cannot remember the past are condemned are condemned to repeat it. Mm. And sadly, many Bitcoin investors might not remember the bubbles. Always burst. Yeah. They were too young. They're it's all the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Could be. Yeah. Well, I did. I, I had an interesting conversation with one of our um, uh, security specialists about it, and we were talking about the environmental impact, the potential environmental impact yeah. of Bitcoin. Which and you'd never think about. I, no, yeah, never and I was this. I was floored because because the blockchain technology requires every single transaction to be. Uh, logged and kept track of in on mem- in memory that every time a transaction happens that chain gets longer and longer and longer mm-hmm. and longer the amount of computing capacity to be able to store the chain of transactions it's going to unfold in the coming months or years uh, they estimate once it hits its full capacity at 21 million is the same size as the computing capacity of Sweden all, oh. all together. Oh, wow. So the amount of electricity, <laughs> yeah. the amount of uh, cooling systems to uh, to put all of this information on a server or on a storage drive, it, because it has to be verified every time a transaction happens. Yeah. And so it's just getting larger and larger. And then once it reaches capacity, it's going to be a, a huge undertaking to keep it going from then on. Uh, this story isn't, uh, this story's not over yet. No, no, no very interesting. Yeah, you know, you yeah, know technology yeah. I find interesting anyway. But it's amazing how all of a sudden it's just taken off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 gathered steam. It's rolling down the hill. It's big that snowball going down. Yeah. It's just gotten bigger and bigger. But eventually that snowball hits the bottom of the mountain yeah. and it smashes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just yeah. like the cartoon. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, that's bitcoins. Now on a, on a totally different note, it wasn't long ago we were actually talking, Scott. You you called <laughs> me up about uh, people working past the age of sixty five. Right. Yeah. Yes. And uh, absolutely, certainly a lot of people are. That freedom fifty five is. Uh, might be Freedom 65, but it seems know. it might be Freedom 70. Yeah, it could be. 
in fact, um, in 2015, 53.5% of men and 39% of women who were 65 worked at some point in the year. Mm. Okay, they may have just put in a, a couple hours of some sort, but anyway, they. It's kind of interesting. It's 53 and a half percent. That is the highest tax bracket in Canada, coincidentally, also. Yeah. So maybe that's why they're working to, <laughs> to pay the income tax. I'm not quite sure. But, you know, they, they took a, a poll of uh, about 3,300 people. And, and basically, they expected, it didn't matter who they interviewed, whether it was a millennial, baby boomer, Generation X, they all ex- assumed they would stop work at 62. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, a lot of them keep working. And it's... You know, the, more and more are working past 65, okay? And in fact, at one time, it was uh, around 1995 when it was only 10.1% of the population worked past 65. Mm-hmm. Now, in general, for part-time and full-time workers, it's about 20%. And full-time, um, it's about, so I'll call it 7%. But uh, you know what? There's lots of good reasons for it, though. And for one thing, longevity. Yeah, people are living longer. Yeah, they're living a lot longer. And you're seeing people who retire at 65 live uh, five to 10 years after that, mm-hmm. and they passed away. Well, now if they work to 70, they're actually living at even longer than yeah. the people that used to work only to 65. Right. Yeah. So the, the, ac- the, the time not working, the amount of years not working, is actually staying the same, if not still increasing. Mm-hmm. They're actually still more years not working. It's just that we're living a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you got to look after that. So um, there's a couple, couple other points. Helping adult children. Okay, that seems to be a, a fairly large one right now. And you're seeing uh, people return to the nest. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, buying that first house. Certainly after we've seen the price increases. Yeah. How can we help out? And what they're doing, they're basically saying, you know what? We're helping the kids out and we've got to work. Yeah. We've got to put <laughs> a few more years of work. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. And it's not like it's a bad thing. It's not like, oh, you know, everybody thinks of this work thing as a four-letter word, mm-hmm. but it's really, <laughs> you know, they're looking and it says, well, if you enjoyed your job, yeah, people aren't minding this. In fact, the, there seems to be a social and uh, mental health about yeah. continuing work. Mm-hmm. Keeps you busy. Absolutely. They have a purpose to get up, and especially those part-timers. It's because, okay, I'm seeing Joe, I'm seeing Marianne, I'm seeing my friends at work and, and whoever their names are, and they have a reason, and, and there's a, there's a, they're missing that. Mm-hmm. And there's been a direct link about social, uh, keeping the social ties and longevity. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, keeping people happy. So work can be part of that, but if it wasn't for the financial part, I don't think they would have kept the social part, <laughs> okay? Yeah, good so helping the kids go. Um, the low interest rates. Now, low interest rates, absolutely. When you saw interest rates sitting there at, you know, 10% back in the early 90s, and now it can, you know, a GIC is paying about 2%, maybe 3%. Yeah. Well, low returns, prices are increasing too. I know that inflation is low at the same time, but still, we, they need money. Mm-hmm. And, you, and they're living longer again, like I said. Rising div- divorce rates. Mm. Now, that one, if nothing That'll will cost you. That will cost a few extra years <laughs> of work for sure. And uh, that, and this is where you're seeing both men and women. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, both both have been the ones divorced. It takes two to tangle, but it also means two are going back to work. Okay, so working full time or part time to age seventy is an effective way to challenge not you know not having that pension because there's so many companies now not offering that pension that yeah. go back to the late '80s. They're, you know, those uh, defined benefit plans mm-hmm. were fairly common. Mm-hmm. They've probably dropped in half. 
the yeah. amount of them, especially the non-government ones. Mm-hmm. And they're all defined contribution plans. And it's interesting, when mother, father, company took the money and said, we're paying you so much a month, it just happened. Yeah. But now it's up to yourself and your own discipline. Mm-hmm. And you know, if the kids said, I need some money, mom and dad, well, if it's in your RSP, or in, you may cash in some RSPs to do it, mm-hmm. but it's in your pension, you didn't have that choice. Right. And you can always find reasons and great rationalizations when you have the money mm-hmm. to get rid of it, mm-hmm. but a pension you can't. And so for savings and a pension, it, it was just one of those things that it, it kept people kind of true. Now, they, could, they, couldn't, they had no choice. They, yeah, they couldn't yeah. just get to the money. That's but reality. It's just reality. So, so anyway, um, and so OAS, the other part of this is the old age security and Canada pension plan by delaying it to 70, you're getting a 42% increase in mm-hmm. your Canada pension plan. In what you get, yeah. Okay. Now there's some also kind of double dipping. They're working until 65, but they're still contributing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and that will also increase your CPP. Old age security, really, I always recommend people, unless they're already getting clawed back, um, but they should try to take it out at 65 mm-hmm. because there's a lot of reasons. But first of all, um, if you wait till seven, uh, if you wait till 70, there's only a 36% increase. Right. Unlike Canada Pension Plan, where there's a 42% increase. And there's a lot of other rules around old age security. You know, there's the clawback rules. If you make over 75000 a year, you start losing um, 15%. Mm-hmm. For every dollar you make after that, you lose 15 cents of old age security. So the clawbacks kick in. Um, so yeah, I... Again, discuss this with your financial planner on what is the optimal age for your OAS and CPP. And uh, like I said, in general, it seems to be not necessarily a bad thing. And I said for one, if somebody's making only $10,000 a year and you could get 5% on your your investments, that's $200,000 you're allowed to sit there and not have to draw from. Mm -hmm. And that allows that money to grow. So by putting off retirement, not only you'll have fewer years to draw on that money, it allows that money to compound a little bit further too. So it can be a win-win to keep working. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And don't forget to uh, check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Take a peek at the website, andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. Listen to old shows as well. And, of course, you can call. Leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. Uh, year-end checklist. It's that you know, time of year. I'm gonna, we're just going to keep hammering everybody, yeah. all the listeners, with the year-end checklist because yeah. I know you're out there busy buying gifts, baking yeah. cookies, attending parties, shoveling snow. There's all kinds of things to do, but you still have two weeks. <laughs> wow. Two weeks to finish your financial planning checklist before the end of the year. Um, number one on the checklist would be to schedule an appointment with your financial planner. Hmm, that's a good now, you don't to have to do that before the end of the year. You can schedule it for the new year, but I think that we'll talk a little bit more about that one in a second. Mm-hmm. One in terms of deadline would be a spousal RSP contribution. We talked about this before, but basically spousal RSPs, if you put them in before the end of the year, mm-hmm. instead of waiting till the end of February, right. then you shorten the duration by almost a full year that you have to leave it there 
before you can pull it out and not have it taxed back to the spouse that made the contribution. So it's a, it's a three-year attribution rule, they call it. And so by doing it this December, you can basically pull that money out January 1st, 2020. Mm-hmm. So t- 2018 and 2019, you can't touch it, but in 2020, you could take it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, that might be perfect timing in maybe in terms of a maternity leave, maybe in terms of um, a sabbatical, maybe in terms of um, cash that you're, you, you may have need mm-hmm. for a purchase, a major purchase, a car, et cetera. So um, spousal RSPs. Number, th- number two, contribute, number three really, contribute to the RESP, Registered Education Savings Plan. Lifetime limit is 50 grand per child and you can put in, eh, you get about $2,500 a year, but December 31st each year is the, is the annual contribution limit. So if you've already been maximized it, you got to get 2,500 bucks in before the end of the year. And mm-hmm. if you don't have the money, it's mm-hmm. worth borrowing to do it because yeah. you're going to get a 20% kickback from the government. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't maximized, you can catch up $2,500 for this year and then $2,500 for a previous year that you didn't contribute. So right. a maximum of five grand, that gets you a thousand dollar contribution or conti- uh, continuing, sorry, uh, continuing education savings grant. Um, number four, make a charitable donation. And charitable donations uh, are based on the calendar year. So in, in terms of donating, you want to do it before the end of the year. And you can consider donating investments instead of just cash. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a mutual fund or a stock that's gone up appreciated and you want to sell, you can donate a few of those shares mm-hmm. or those units of a mutual fund. And then that gets cashed in. You don't. It's a double win because you right. get the tax receipt plus you don't pay tax on any of the capital gain as well. Um, using up FSA money. FSA money is your flexible spending account. So a lot of times if you're part of a, a group health plan at work, they give you an account that is a certain amount of money that you can use towards your medical cost or offsetting some of your medical costs. Mm-hmm. It could be a couple of hundred bucks. It could be a thousand bucks, depending on your employer. So make sure you use that up before the end of the year. You might want to you know, order some new glasses, schedule some dental work, get something done so that you can use that money up. Number six would be consider postponing your ETF or mutual fund purchases. And that's because many of these investments, ETFs and mutual funds, pay a, a dividend in December. And if you buy it before the dividend, you're going to pay tax on it, right. even though you've only owned it for possibly just a couple of days. Right. So, and that dividend would be reflective on earnings for the entire year. But again, you've only had that for a short period of time. So mm. avoid that. You might want to put it off. Just make sure you understand and ask your advisor if you're making an investment, is there going to be a dividend paid? If so, I'll just delay it. Yeah. Um, Number seven, making your TFSA withdrawals. So if you're planning to use some money in your TFSA uh, in the next uh, couple of months, make sure you do it before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Because one of the greatest areas of confusion is taking money out of TFSAs and putting it. So if you do it now in December, you can turn around anytime next year, January, February, and put it back in if you find the money. Um, This also applies for transfers. So we've had clients that... um, uh, transfer, if we're moving money from their bank TFSA over to Don and I at Investors Group, that um, a transfer fee is usually applied when you just do a straight transfer from the bank to us. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're recommending a client just cash in that TFSA, hold on to the cash, and then January 1st, we open up the TFSA and we can put the money right back in. We save them a $150 transfer fee. Uh, number eight, 
is deferring income and accelerating expenses. So if you're getting a bonus, uh, it's worth might be worthwhile saying, you know what, I'm not going to make as much next year. Pay me in 2018, January 2018 instead of December. If you've got some expenses you can write off, pay them now. Get them off so you get an increase your deduction for 2017. And uh, the next I'm just going to jump to is the medical receipts. Organize your medical receipts. And one of the, I think, time savers here, uh, I know in our group health plan, I can just go online and get a complete summary of all the medical receipts mm-hmm. that I've submitted. And it shows me how much um, they reimbursed me, how much I had to pay out of pocket, so I know exactly how much I can write off as a medical expense. If you don't have that, you can go to your pharmacist, and they now provide that service in many cases where Mm. they can print a list of all your prescriptions for the entire year. You'll know exactly how much you paid. And uh, so finally, in terms of that... um, your financial planner meeting, you know, really I'm, I'm having a meeting uh, this week coming up with uh, a client and we're reviewing a lot of things regarding their 2018 plan. You know, what's, what's, what are we going to do in terms of maximizing RSPs, TFSAs, the RESP? How's their retirement going? How's the education for the kids going? Uh, what is going on in terms of their asset allocation? What are we going to do in terms of tax planning? What about disability in case of disability, in case of critical illness, in case of premature death or long-term care? We also run a stress test, our Monte Carlo analysis. So we really do a complete overview, overhaul. We start off the year with our eyes wide open with a game plan ready to go. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister, Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave your message at 905-529-7165. They'll return your call. And don't forget, you can listen to old archives shows at andyanddon.com as well ask a question there via the listener inquiry button are canadians worried about their holiday spending are we spending more they are very worried it turns out that two out of five 40 percent can't afford what they're spending right now yeah so hey don't don't uh, that has nothing to do with the holidays so. <laughs> i know it's first thing in the morning so if you're you're thinking of running out to the stores right now stop uh yes and and try to find that parking spot because it's getting close but there's this feeling of pressure and the, sh- the shopping budget itself is up 8% this year, to si- on average, to $643 mm. on gifts and $291 on decor, entertainment, yeah. trinkets. Stuff. Yeah, stuff. So, you know, we're... Mistletoe. You're looking at around 900 a little over $900 mm-hmm. all in um, just on that. And two-thirds, actually, and there's a survey of, of over 1,500 people, two-thirds say it's just out of control. Yeah. 50% of them are going... O- over budget. Yeah. Okay. So it comes down to having to reset some expectations. And it really, you might have to have that, that family meeting. Kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> this year we're cutting. You know, I think my mother used to say that every single year. Kids, we're cutting back this year. Yeah. As she jumped into the car yeah. and went shopping. And then, <laughs> and then they spend more because it looks like cr- credit card use is up. Is 59% are using credit cards yeah. up from 46% last year. Mm-hmm. That's a significant increase. And it's interesting. There's insolvency experts, and they hardly see anybody at all in December. That's because people are out there getting in trouble in December. Exactly, yeah. When they do see them is guess when? January. You got it. Yeah. Four busiest months for insolvency experts is January, February, March, and April. Yeah. Trying to get people out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So instead of having this massive financial hangover in those four months, 
Here's a few suggestions. First of all, cash hurts, okay? <laughs> Carry the cash and make and spend the money. Watch it leave your hand and spend it in cash because it, tapping that little credit card on the machine, it doesn't feel that bad. I don't know, it does for me. <laughs> That's good actually, <laughs> what a go Scott. But for it is kind of cool too. Hey, wow, hey, it went through. I guess they got more money. Um, you know, another way I thought was a very good idea is having separate cash for every uh, in each envelope. Mm. So you got four people to buy for, and here's the cash for each of them, and this is the maximum per. Why not just hand them the envelope then? (laughs) (laughs) Here, there's your envelope. Go ahead. Go nuts. Doesn't seem to go as well over, but uh, not as sentimental. No, but yeah, and go to buy. Know what you're going to go get. Mm-hmm. and go to the right store, do your online you know, purchasing, figuring out wh- where you can get the best price, and go there directly to buy, mm-hmm. not to browse. Find out when you're browse- browsing, you're generally finding some stuff. And a lot of people, uh, 20% are now going to the single gift exchange. Just say, I'm going to buy one gift yeah. um, for the family. So everybody picks a, a name and get a decent I'm gift. I'm all for that, but then the rest of the family starts whining at me like I'm cheap. Yeah, especially when one kid gets it and the other one doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's the problem here? <laughs> <laughs> and there's other ways. You don't have to spend money. There's a lot of people just are, you know, they bought a house this year, they, especially um, some of the millennials, and, and they're finding it pretty tough. And Plan an outing. Or maybe I uh, said, so you know what, mom, experience, dad, yeah. I'm going to give you experience. I'm going to do a chore for you. Yeah. I'm going to use my own hard hands and, yeah. and I'm going to paint your deck, whatever yeah. it might be. Sure. And that means a lot. That's Otherwise, they'd have to hire somebody. That's right. But it's uh, kind of interesting. Never Who happens. do you... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I might not get to it right away. Um, guess which province Scroogey there <laughs> has the biggest budget? Say that again. Guess which province is spending the most at uh, the holiday season? Ontario. Per, per, per person? Yes. Yeah. Turns out Atlantic is at 827. Really? Atlantic? Yeah. Wow. The, Nothing else to do out there but shop. I guess, but yeah. guess which is spending <laughs> the least and almost half? Alberta. Half that. Quebec. Really? Yeah, I I would not have guessed either of these two, actually. I would have Hmm. gone with maybe BC and Ontario thinking, uh, first of all, the high end, and again, maybe Mm -hmm. Alberta's uh, having a bit of oil trouble. I wonder if that's a religious take. In other words, if there's, you know, more Christians celebrating Christmas Mm -hmm. in the Atlantic provinces and fewer or or Mm non-denominational not celebrating Christmas. Yeah, good point. Not sure uh, what the reason is, but it turns out the, the biggest spender of age group is 35 to 54, mm-hmm. okay? So on that holiday note, um, certainly the recipe for longevity at the, at the end of the day is not always about the presents, okay? Say that louder for my kids. <laughs> okay, you got your kids up, right? They're Listen gonna be up. listening yep. to wake this, up, right, Scott? Up. Okay, it's not all about the presents, there you go. okay? It turns out, and there's been lots of studies, Brigham Young University uh, and University of North Carolina have says strong social ties can be beneficial to both mental and physical health. Okay, found active social life can be linked to lower risk of cancer, cardiovascular disease, greater ability to carry out physical tasks, inc- improved happiness. Social is so important. So forget the presents, just go with a dinner. Yeah, have a great dinner. I don't we, know, we that do, can be pretty stressful too. <laughs> we do Trivia Pursuit and it's a blast. We do that every Christmas with yeah. the family. Uh, males against females. Uh, yes, That's we, shot glass trivia pursuit, though. It's a, it's a little different. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a real deal. But, uh, you know, it, it, also, it does come back down to relationships because um, the exact opposite is true. If they found if you have that lack of strong social relationships, mm-hmm. um, risk of puma, uh, premature death by all causes increases by 50%. Yeah. So if you're going to have a great holiday season, keep social, 
But you know what? At the end of the day, if you're going to be social, you're going to live longer, and you're going to need a financial plan because <laughs> you're going to be around a lot That's longer. Great. I was wondering how you're going to bring that full circle. <laughs> Uh, We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message, 905-529-7165. And check out the website if you've never been there, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can listen to old archive shows there. As well, you can ask a question, uh, too, uh, via the listener inquiry button. Hit that, and, of course, they will respond to you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. See you next week. Have Have a great Christmas.